hello and welcome to the sermon recording for the 6 p.m. service held at South City C3 Church on September 10th, 2023. I'm Josh Taylor and it is great to have you with us. In just a moment, we'll launch into the recording for this message, but I wanted to include a special surprise that I did that unfortunately was not able to be included in the normal recording due to the copyright of the backing track. Now, the special surprise that I did was a recap of the Song of Solomon series that we've been doing so far, but this time I decided to do the recap in the form of a rap. So, I'm going to share the rap with you, and then we'll go straight into the message for tonight. So, without further ado, here's a re-recorded version of the rap recap from Sunday night without the backing track. The song, the song, the song of Solomon... A song that shows God's beauty, it's the song of all the songs. Read it like it's literal and it reads like poetry, but read it like a parable and it becomes an allegory, a picture, a painting, a marvelous tapestry, a portrait of our journey into spiritual maturity, a bride, a bridegroom, and the friends that they both share, a group of longing lovers who believe him if they dare, eight chapters full of beauty, eight chapters full of love, a bride who's dark but lovely but with eyes just like a dove's. What's that? An invite, a chance to come away, a chance to leap on mountains and a bride who says no way. But misses him, she does, she cannot stay away. She seeks him and she finds him not tomorrow, but today. You've captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You've stolen my whole heart with just one glance of your eyes. A love that's so much better, better than any wine. A love that grows more fruitful as you abide within the vine. Awake, awake, O north wind, and come, O mighty south wind. Bless, refresh, and test me so my love will never dim. A night, a dark night, a dark night of our soul. A night in which we meet him in the testing of our soul. Listen up, O daughters, O friends of Jerusalem. Tell him I am lovesick, please just tell him where I am. What would make you seek him, just like the saints of old? It's because he's just so beautiful, more beautiful than the gold. He's radiant, he's dazzling, he's fairer than the rest. Now I know how stunning because I passed the fiery test. You are victorious, my sister and my bride. You've come out looking like me with love as deep as it is wide. I am my beloved's, my beloved he is mine. I'll always keep on leaning till we reach the end of time. I've set him like a seal, like a fire upon my heart. His love will always warm me and will never be apart. And now we come to the close, the end of the great love song. Find yourself among its pages and you'll start to sing along. The song begins and ends in exactly the same way. A journey that starts and closes with a call to come away. And come away we must, and grab his outstretched hand, so that we can grow in love and faith, bring healing to our land. So for those who long to know him, those who know he deserves their best, it's time to go looking for him. It's time to once more say yes. Uh, well, I hope you enjoyed that half as much as I enjoyed writing that. <laughs> Should I keep the chain on? Sweet. Uh, so um, rapping is actually my backup option, just in case the whole pastoring thing doesn't work out. <laughs> just so you know, it's the reason they called me J Money in high school. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> really enjoyed that, eh? Uh, so there you have it, the rap recap of the Song of Solomon. I'm sorry I couldn't do it with the backing track. I practiced that like a hundred times, but it just 
just wasn't working. Yeah, we, we turned it into a spoken word, and those are real popular these days. Yeah, so still a win. Did not fail. <laughs> uh, well, good. Man, it's hard to transition from something like that, isn't it? Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so we're going to get stuck back into the book tonight, and as we explore some parts of chapter 7, chapter 8, it's my hope that you will see tonight that as we explore this part of the book, that the truest indicator of someone's spiritual maturity is whether or not they have learned how to lean. But before we do that, as always, let's take a moment, let's bow our heads, and let's pray. Uh, so Jesus, I just thank you for each person that's here tonight, and I thank you for the journey of the last five weeks that we've gotten to uh, explore this beautiful book, that it's uh, given us wisdom and insight into our own journeys with Jesus and how we're growing and how we're being shaped. And, and Lord, I just pray that tonight we would just be left with uh, a vision for why this journey matters. God, that you would open our eyes to see why it's so important, why it's so valuable, why it's a treasure to us to give ourselves to the journey of becoming more and more spiritually mature and growing in love for you. So would you open our eyes tonight? Help us to see what we couldn't see before. We welcome your ministry tonight, Holy Spirit. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. Oh, Sarah, can you grab me one of those waters? Oh, you've been opening it for me. Thank you. Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no sermon tonight. <laughs> See how much I'd committed to memory. The more we grow in love, the more we learn to lean. So my grandma and my grandpa on my dad's side, they lived into their early 90s. And uh, his name was Bert. Grandma's name was Dorothy. Sweet couple. And they had been married for a very, very long time. And I think there is just something unique that happens when two people are in love for a really, really long time. You know, when two people journey together through times where life went well, when they go through times where life didn't go so well, uh, when they go through raising babies and then toddlers, and teenagers, when they know what it's like to have enough and when they know what it's like to struggle, when they had reasons that they could have called it quits and they didn't, and when they faced up to their darkest moments and still stuck by each other's side through every single one of them, when two people do that for a very, very long time, there's something unique that can tend to happen. And that something is this. The more those two people grow in love, the more they tend to lean on one another. You know, when you first get married, for a while, it's kind of like you're still a single person sort of figuring out how to live with another single person. You know, you find out real quick that the laundry doesn't belong on the floor. Uh, <laughs> uh, you find out that your idea of a great Friday night might be different than your spouse's idea of a great Friday night. And you find out that not only do you not know how to load the dishwasher, you've actually been doing it wrong your entire life. <laughs> 
But you know, if you, if you do it right, if you do love right, you do it well, and you both allow each other's rough edges to be smoothed out by each other's rough edges, then something really beautiful can begin to take shape quietly in the background of your relationship. Slowly at first, but then compounding over the years and the decades, you stop moving against each other and you start to move with each other. And as the love grows, you begin to relax and more and more of your weight, uh, of your trust, it begins to be resting on the other person. And you begin to lean. My grandma and my grandpa, they leaned. They knew how to make each other laugh. They knew what the other person liked for dinner. They knew how to set things right after they, um, after they disagreed with each other. But I think just how much they leaned on each other became really clear when my grandmother first started to show signs of dementia. My grandpa, you know, bless him, he did the very best he could for as long as he could. Uh, but after a while, it just became a bit too much. And so at his insistence and at my parents' insistence, they moved from their home in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and they shifted down to a rental first uh, near my parents' house and then finally uh, actually into the spare bedroom at my parents' house. And as long as I'd known them, my grandparents, they'd always been really active. So my grandma, she was, she was power walker. She liked to go out, she liked to walk. My grandpa, he was always out in the garage. He was always fixing things, always building things, really active. Uh, but as my grandma got worse and worse, and this one day she had a really bad fall. And it was the kind of fall that you just don't really recover from when you're in your 90s. And once that happens, my usually active grandfather, who was always outside doing something, suddenly stopped all of those things. And my grandmother, she was bedridden after that, and after that, he never left her side. And this went on for several months, and then one night my daddy was out in the hallway outside their room, and he heard them say something that made him pause. He heard my grandmother say, I want to go home. And my grandfather, he said, well, honey, you are home. She said, I'm not talking to you. He said, well, who are you talking to? She said, I'm talking to Jesus. He said, you're talking to Jesus? She said, yes, he's right there. He's in the corner of the ceiling. She said, I want to go home. Two days later, my grandmother slipped away into the arms of Jesus. And that was sad, of course but it was also really beautiful. It was beautiful that Jesus came to let her know and to let my grandpa know that he was so close. It was beautiful that she slipped away so peacefully. But I think what was most beautiful of all was how those last few months of my grandma's life revealed just how much love had grown between the two of them. Right up until the end, they were still leaning. After all, the more you grow in love, the more you tend to lean. Tonight's message is all about leaning.
And that is because leaning is the greatest evidence of all that love has taken root in your heart. The more you love, the more you lean. And as we jump back into the last part of the Song of Solomon tonight, I believe it paints this picture for us of what it really looks like to reach spiritual maturity with God. Spiritual maturity isn't a platform. It's not influence. It isn't signs and wonders, even though those are important. It isn't people knowing your name. Spiritual maturity is coming out of all of the times of testing and all of the times of blessing and coming out leaning on your beloved. And that's what the bride does in our story. So we're gonna explore what that looks like together tonight. So this section is called The Wine Goes Down Smoothly. So the bride, she's just emerged from the time of testing, which is what we talked about last week. And the bridegroom, he's positively beaming with pride. I mean, he is just so proud of his bride for coming out of this, t- uh, this time of testing. And so he spends the rest of chapter six, he's just praising her for her victory and the beauty that has been forged in that place of testing. And so we pick up the story from there and the bride, she says something And to me, what she says is the first indication that she has reached spiritual maturity. So we're now in chapter seven. Here's what the bride says. Starting halfway through verse nine, she says this. It goes down smoothly for my beloved, gliding over lips and teeth. I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. It goes down smoothly. The NKJV, it says, the wine goes down smoothly for for my beloved. And so the wine so far in the book has spoken of this expressed love between the bride and the bridegroom, speaking of both her love for him, but also his love for her. And so it says here that it goes down smoothly. Now, this is a poetic picture of the wine of the bride's life, that which proceeds from the fruitfulness of her life. It is pleasing to God. It is enjoyable to God at this point. You know, God loves all people. How many of you know God loves everyone? He really does. But not everyone's choices are pleasing to him. Some people that God created, they use their free will and they make choices that hurt themselves, hurt other people, or sometimes really deeply hurt him. And so God doesn't enjoy that. But not his beloved in this picture, not his bride. Her life's choices are now pleasing to him. They go down smoothly. They are easy to swallow. They are enjoyable to him. She's like the person described in Psalm 1 where it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted in the streams of living water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. 
And so the bride, at this stage of her spiritual journey, her life is exuding his goodness. It's exuding his fruitfulness. It's exuding the fruit of his love in her heart. And so that's why she says this next in verse 11. She says, come, my beloved, let us go out into the fields and lodges in the villages. Let us go out early to the vineyards and see whether the vines have budded, whether the grape blossoms have opened and the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes give forth fragrance. And beside our doors are all choice fruits, new as well as old, which I have laid up for you, O my beloved. And so she says this statement, beside their doors are all fruits, meaning there are various kinds of fruits in the garden of their house together. And to me, this just evokes Galatians 5, which also describes various fruits of the Spirit. And so it's like she's poetically saying, in our garden, Lord, there's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's patience, there's gentleness, there's righteousness, there's self-control. And she says that there are new fruits as well as old fruits, meaning she hasn't plateaued in her relationship with God. All of the fruit of her life isn't just something that's in the past. She's actually still producing fruit today. How beautiful. Friends, I want you to hear what the song is saying to us here. Spiritual maturity is not about becoming a tree that sort of just reaches a certain size and then stops growing. Spiritual maturity is about becoming a tree that produces spiritual fruit that feeds the multitudes that bears fruit in all seasons and offers people rest within its shade. That's what spiritual maturity is about. And so the bride, she's like the person Jesus describes in John 15, five, where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing can do nothing. So in this part of the Song of Solomon, she is abiding in him. She is relying upon him. She is leaning upon him. And she does this because she has grown in love. And the more you grow in love, the more you tend to lean. And speaking of leaning, we jump ahead now to chapter eight. It's the final chapter of the song. Now, quick side note, just for you theologians in here. In chapter eight, it is clear to me that verses one through four are the bride speaking. However, most translators have also ascribed verses five through seven of this passage to the bride as well. But some people disagree with this logic, myself being one of them. And that's because I believe the language of verse five reads like it's being spoken by someone other than the bride. So I tell you that because even though your Bible might ascribe verses five through seven to the bride, I would actually take the view that they're better understood as coming from the bridegroom. Now remember, the character headings, the verses, the numbers, all that wasn't there in the original manuscript, so I don't think I'm venturing into heresy here. Uh, but if you feel like I am, then feel free to go get a rock and um, <laughs> come chuck it. <laughs> That's a joke. That is a joke. That is not permission. <laughs> And so we continue on, and we come to what I believe 
is the central point of the entire book of the Song of Solomon. If the central invitation of the book is an invitation to come away, then I believe the central point of that invitation is right here. It's the reason for the journey. It's the reason that the bridegroom leads the bride into everything that he leads her into. It's to get to this finished result, this beautiful finished work. Do you want to know what it is? Here it is. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 5. The bridegroom is speaking, and he says this. Who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? The central purpose of the entire spiritual journey described in the Song of Solomon is about a bride learning the most important lesson that she can learn. And that is the lesson of learning how to lean. And it says, who is that coming up from the wilderness? You know, in the Bible, the wilderness was often a place of testing. Jesus went into the wilderness to be tested. David went into the wilderness to be tested. The Israelites were in the desert for 40 years being tested. And so the bride, she's emerged from the wilderness. She's come out of this place of testing and something, something is different about her. She is doing something that she was not doing when she went into that time of testing. What is she doing? She is leaning She's leaning on her beloved. She's not walking out by herself like, look at me, I'm a hot shot. I ran the race, I slayed the giant. No, she is coming out of this wilderness and she is resting her weight upon him step by step. She is leaning on her beloved. Have you ever met somebody in their 60s or 70s who loves Jesus? I know a few of them. You know, there's just something about when you know that there's somebody who has walked with him long enough that you know that they've walked through some green pastures, but you also know that they've walked through some fires. And I know a lot of people like that, but in particular, I was just thinking of this one couple that I knew back in Michigan. And you know what struck me about them? They leaned. When their daughter got into a car accident, the first place that they turned to for comfort was the Lord. When I would bring difficulties or problems that I was facing, they were quick to suggest prayer as a meaningful way to do something about the situation. And so you just got this sense that they, don't, they didn't primarily lean on their own way of thinking or what would naturally make sense, but instead God was somehow in first place for them. And it was just abundantly clear they leaned upon him. And that is what the bride is doing in Song chapter eight. She is doing what Proverbs three calls us to do when it says in verse five, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. I want you to hear me on this. This is important. I believe that the primary evidence of someone's spiritual maturity is not their outward success, not their influence or the power that they walk in. The primary evidence of someone's spiritual maturity is the degree in which they lean. Verse 
upon God. When you go into or you come out of the wilderness seasons of your life, are you leaning? Are you leaning? When life gets hard and problems arise, is prayer your first port of call or is it your bank account? When people are mean to you, uh, is forgiveness and mercy your first port of call or is it anger, offense, and gossip? When God asks you to come away into something that doesn't make sense, do you follow him in trust or do you look for the logical way out? Now listen, I'm not against bank accounts. I'm not against processing big feelings with people and I am definitely not against making wise and well thought through decisions. So everything I just said, it has disclaimers to it. But the point that I'm trying to get to you uh, is where is your trust? Where are you leaning in your life? Is it your own understanding? Or is it God? Friends, it takes a baby a long time to grow into a mature adult. And it is for the exact same reason that you and I are not going to learn how to lean overnight. Just like my grandparents, long years of marriage, leaning is something that takes a lifetime to learn how to do. But the whole point of your Christian walk over the years and the decades of your life. It's all about learning how to lean. And you know what? Someone who is leaning on their beloved, they're not in a hurry. <laughs> you can't be when you're leaning on someone else. You know, somebody that's leaning on their beloved, they aren't looking around at what everyone else is doing. They're not comparing themselves with other people, thinking they're better off or worse off than someone else. Someone who is leaning is focused on moving in lockstep with the one whom they are leaning upon. And friends, there is nothing sweeter in this life than having someone you love to lean upon. So the bridegroom... He observes his bride coming up out of the wilderness. She's learned the most important lesson that she can learn. She has learned how to lean. And now we draw towards the end of the song. And in the next verse, he issues this powerful invitation to her. He says this in chapter eight, verse six. He says, I want you to set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Now, what does this mean? <laughs> A lot of people have used this verse, by the way, as justification for getting tattoos. I think that's cool. <laughs> I don't mind tattoos. What I think this means here, the word for seal that is used here is actually the same word that is used elsewhere to describe the seal of a king. It's like the signet seal of a king's ring that would be pressed into hot wax so that you would know that whatever the message was, it came on behalf of the authority of the king. And so the seal here being on your heart, being on your arm, it almost is like this sense of being branded with the king's love. It's an invitation to be marked somehow with his love. And it's, it's, it's fiery, it's burning, it's passionate. 
And so he calls her to be sealed on her heart, but I think it's interesting, also on her arm, meaning she is to be marked with his love in ways that are both invisible to other people, but also in ways that other people can see. And there's also a certain permanence <laughs> to being sealed with his love. You know, if you get a tattoo on your arm, it doesn't come off easily. And in the same way, when you get branded by the passion of his love, it doesn't come off easily. I love what Kiwi Lady Joy Dawson says when she described touching this kind of God's love. She called it being, quote, ruined for the ordinary. Ruined for the ordinary. Because when you taste of the fiery, passionate love that God has for you and has for other people, you just can't unsee that. And you'll never be the same again. Here's why that matters. If it was the sweet, wine-like love that caused the bride to get this far and to come out of that wilderness leaning on her beloved, then it is the fiery seal of his love that will cause her to continue leaning over the days and the decades and the years, all the days of her life. We need to be marked by his fiery love. After all, the more you grow in love, the more you tend to lean. And now we come to the close of the great love song. The journey that we started four weeks ago together opened with this central invitation, this beautiful invitation in chapter two, verse 10. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. And we've journeyed across eight chapters and we've explored over the last five weeks how the bride was first awakened to come away when she realized that his love was better than anything else that she tried. We saw how the more worthy she began to realize that he was, the more her faith became about him and the less it became about her. We watched as the bride was purified in the place of testing and mistreatment and became more like him in her being. And finally, we've seen how the more she grew in love with her beloved bridegroom, the more she grew to lean upon him. And in the last verse of the last chapter of the Song of Solomon, the mature bride who has learned how to lean, she turns to her beloved and she says this, come away, my beloved. Come away and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice-laden mountains. And just like that, the journey that began with an invitation to come away comes to an end with an invitation to come away. But this time, it's not the bridegroom. It's the bride holding out her hand and beckoning him to come away to the peaks of the impossible with her. Maybe those peaks seem a little less scary now that she knows she has someone to lean upon. Would you guys stand to your feet with me? After my 
after my grandmother died, my grandpa was a little bit lost. You know, the woman that he leaned upon for all those years just suddenly gone. And don't get me wrong, he knew that she was with Jesus, and I think that was a comfort to him, and he also had my parents. But still, life wasn't the same anymore. I think it's pretty hard to learn how to stand alone once you've gotten so used to leaning. My grandpa, he always had been a big fan of the old Western films. Loved a good Western film. And particularly, he was very fond of the old John Wayne movies. And so my dad, when he found out that they were going to remake the movie True Grit uh, back in 2010, he said, oh, I'm going to take, take Dad down to see that at the cinema. And so he gets him into the car, goes down to the cinema, and they get in there, and they get their popcorn, and they're all excited, and they watch the movie. And the movie comes to an end, and the lights come up, and the credits begin to roll. And so my dad, you know, he reaches down, he starts grabbing his jacket and grabbing his stuff. And he looks up, and um, my grandpa has tears in his eyes. And he goes, Dad, is, Dad, is everything okay? You see, the song that had started playing when the credits began to roll, it was a song that my grandpa knew. And he didn't have his walker right then, but without saying anything, my grandpa reaches out, shaking hands, and he grabs a hold of the seat in front of him, and he lifts himself up into a standing position. And once he gets to his feet, he began to sing. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. My dad said there were people that had gotten up to leave the movie and they heard my grandpa singing and they saw it and it was like they just stopped and it was almost like they sensed something of the sacredness of the moment and they slowly began to sit back down and they sat there and they listened to this trembling white-haired man sing. Leaning Leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. I never asked my grandpa what he was feeling in that moment in the cinema. Just a short time later, he went home with Grandma and with Jesus. But I wonder if perhaps in that moment, as he sang the words of that hymn, I wonder if he was reminded of the fact that even though he had lost my grandmother, 
he still had a God who loved him. Even though he had lost his Dorothy, there was still someone he could lean upon. My grandpa learned how to lean. And maybe you're here tonight, and just like the bride of the story, and just like my grandpa, maybe you need somebody to lean on. And if that's you, you may not have the person that you wish that you could be leaning on right now. But I'll tell you this, you can always find a safe place to lean on in Jesus. And so I felt tonight, what better way to close a series that is all about learning how to lean than by singing that same hymn that my grandpa sang in that cinema all those years ago. And I'll warn you, it's a little bit country, it's a little bit Western. But it was the one that Bert liked, so I hope you like it too. So we're gonna sing that song as a close tonight. And it's just gonna take Emma a moment to get the recording finished and then to get that stuff up. But we'll just play that momentarily.